20 today. Acts 20. Last week we saw a, a riot almost break out in the city of Ephesus uh, as uh, many people were upset with the transformation of the culture that was happening there because of Paul and others preaching Christ and people coming to know the Lord and leaving behind their idolatry. And today uh, Paul is going to leave Ephesus after he's been there for almost three years and uh, travel around a little bit. Uh, on its way to Jerusalem. So we, I'm going to read the first 17 verses and then we'll stop for, and, and I'll come to the rest uh, in a little bit if we can get there today. Uh, didn't know, I had a pastor say when I was growing up, he said, my sermons are like link sausage. You can just cut it off anywhere. And, and so I got a link sausage today and I might have to cut it off and we'll pick it up next week. But I think I can get through it all. Uh, it's not that long, but it's good stuff. You know, I was, I was shocked today uh, walking out of the house, you know, with the cool air and it, it you know, being so nice and uh, finally autumn has arrived, it seems. But I really wasn't prepared for that and uh, just walking out was, was, was uh, quite bracing. And, and I find this passage to be a, really a breath of fresh air and quite bracing because it's all about encouragement. And man, we need some encouragement in our day and time. And so I hope that you'll be encouraged, see the importance of encouragement, and be encouraged today. Let's hear now God's word. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to sail for Syria he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater, the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days." On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Essos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day opposite Chios. The next day we touched at Samos, and the day after that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. 
for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Well, what we see here is that Jesus continues to build his church. We've been saying all along in our study of Acts that, that, uh, that the first book, uh, Luke, Luke's Gospel, was, as Luke tells us, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is all that Jesus continued to do and teach, even though he was ascended to heaven. And so we see what, uh, what we see here today is that Jesus is encouraging the church. He is, he is sending Paul out on a mission of encouragement. Jesus wants to encourage his people. And, uh, and that's what's happening here in the first chapter. Jesus continues to build his church through the encouragement of his ambassadors. And it's very important, uh, encouragement. Now the word encourage here is mentioned twice in the first two verses uh, here in chapter 20. And, and of course, as I said, that's what the entire chapter is all about. Uh, we see that uh, Jesus is building up the church through the encouragement provided, in this case, by Paul. Now that word translated encouragement is the Greek word paraklesis. It's the word for the Holy Spirit that's used in John. It's called the paraclete. You may have heard that word before, or the helper, uh, the encourager. <clears throat> and that's uh, the word that's used here. It's, it comes from two words, meaning para, which is alongside of or beside, and the word kaleo, which means to call. So it's coming alongside, calling to someone, uh, to encourage, to cheer them on, like you would a runner in the race. You know, you're, you're, as they come by, we cheer and say, go, go, don't give up, you know, keep on running. And it encourages the runner, and they, you know, keep on going. And that's, that's what Paul is doing here in chapter 20. He's going around to these young churches and, and the Christians that occupy these churches, and he's cheering them on in their Christian race, in their Christian journey. Encouragement is crucial for everyone because discouragement is always lurking. It's kind of like worry, you know, we're always, we, there's always something to worry about, isn't there? Uh, and, and we have to stop sometimes and, and, uh, and not be anxious. And as Paul told the Philippians, you know, lift your prayers up to the Lord, pray about these things and do not be anxious about anything, but pray about them and, and you'll experience the peace of God. Well, discouragement's a lot like worry. It, it's always lurking there. Because life is difficult and there, there's always something to be discouraged about, isn't there? You know, things don't work out like, they, like we planned it. Things don't go uh, as well as we would have liked them to go. Uh, maybe our work is, is not being successful. Uh, a relationship is, is failing or struggling. Uh, it may be the world. It may be your own self. It may be the devil uh, oppressing you. There's always a barrier, a hurdle a setback in our lives. Life is a, a constant fight. It's a battle, and it's hard. And there's always a voice. It might be someone else's voice. It might be that little voice in your head. There's always a voice telling you that you should just quit, that you should just give up. It's not worth it. Why bother? Forget about this. And when things don't go well, of course, the voices get louder. Well, we need other voices to counteract these discouraging voices. Voices telling us that we can do it. It is worth it. Don't give up. But how often do we beat each other up and tear each other down? 
we, we are bombarded with criticism from all sides. And some of us are bombarded with self-criticism, that voice in the head that can be judge and jury, a very harsh judge and jury. Uh, the, little, uh, the little voice in your head. Uh, we need to counteract that little voice sometimes. We need the encouragement that others bring to us. And we need, we need to encourage others ourselves. Jesus wants you to be encouraged today. I can say that with assurance. Jesus wants you to be encouraged today. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus discourage anyone unless he's discouraging someone from doing something sinful or harmful to themselves. He wants you to be encouraged. As I was preparing, I read a story about a mom, a person, this person who was writing the account was looking at this mom who had a little boy who was crippled. He had braces on his legs, and the braces were helping him walk. And so he was just struggling to take a step and to stay balanced, and the mom was continuously saying, you're doing great. You know, keep it up. You know, uh, even when he was stumbled, she would help him up and say, keep going, and, and you're getting better. And the little boy was encouraged, and he said, I, now, Mom, I'm going to run. And she doesn't say, no, wait, stop, don't run, you can't do that. She says, uh, you know, keep up, keep going. And, and he stumbles and falls as he tries to run, and she says, you're doing great, you're getting better, constantly encouraging this little boy. And I think that's a picture uh, of ourselves, you know, we're, we're like that little boy. We're not perfect, and we fall short. Uh, we, we all have problems and difficulties in our lives that, that we're trying to overcome, and the Lord wants to encourage us. He's a constant voice telling us to keep it up, keep going. And that's what we see going on here. Jesus, working through Paul, puts an emphasis on encouragement. And we see the importance of encouragement in this passage uh, here in chapter 20 in at least three different ways uh, that we see the importance of encouragement. First, we see it in this roundabout journey that Paul takes. For about three years, as I said, Paul made his home in Ephesus, and that was the center of his ministry. And he, uh, in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and so he was there working for that uh, a long amount of time. But Paul didn't want to remain there. Back in uh, verse 21 of chapter 19, it tells us that he planned to return to Jerusalem and then go on to Rome. Now, as we've read through this travelogue of Paul's and all these places that we've never heard of that he goes to visit, uh, we see, if we were to look on the map, that Paul traveled... Uh, on a roundabout journey to, to get from Ephesus to Jerusalem. He didn't just go straight to the coast and then get a ship and sail straight for Jerusalem. He actually goes uh, in a roundabout way. Verse, uh, verse 2 tells us that he set out for Macedonia, and that's not on the way to Jerusalem for where he, from where he was. But what we see was that he intentionally went out of the way uh, on this journey to Jerusalem so he could visit the churches that he had planted and that others had probably planted. And he was giving them, as it says verse, in verse 2, much encouragement. He was going around just to give them encouragement. So we learned something here, that encouragement is an important ministry uh, and, and that we should let ourselves be very inconvenienced in order to provide it. We should go out of our way to seek to encourage people. 
I was talking to someone yesterday who was, who was we were talking about this very thing, we were talking about encouragement, and he was talking about, you know, a, a person in his life that was very depressed and, and, and kind of a difficult person to deal with. You know, it took, took a lot of work. But he said, I always take his calls. He's depressed and, and uh, he needs some encouragement. I think that's great. He was going out of his way to give encouragement to this man who was depressed and, and struggling in his life. And sometimes that's not easy. It, it requires a lot of work. And, and people who are, especially when people get really discouraged, it's, it's difficult as they kind of wallow in that and are, are really down. But Paul went out of his way to provide encouragement. And not only should we go out of our way to give encouragement, we should go out of our way to get encouragement. We need encouragement. And, you know, I probably told you about uh, a lady I knew who struggled with depression, and she would get down and have these seasons in her life where she just struggled. And the first thing she would do was not come to church. You know, she would, she would stay away from the people who were, would come alongside and encourage her. In the, in the valley of the shadow of death. So we need to, to, uh, to go out of our way to get encouragement, to make sure that we're encouraged. Of course, the number one way we do that is to spend time with the Lord and His Word. And, and worship is a big part of that. But we see here uh, the importance that, that the Lord placed on uh, encouragement by sending Paul on this roundabout journey to visit these churches and, and provide much encouragement to them. And then secondly we see uh, the importance of encouragement in the delays that were allowed uh, by the Lord on Paul's journey. Because of the difficulties he encounters on this encouragement tour, uh, Paul actually spends more time encouraging the churches than he planned to do. He was, he was uh, really excited about going to Jerusalem and was in, in a hurry to get there, but the Lord slowed him down and wanted him to, to spend a little more time. So he gets to Greece and he ends up staying there for three months, uh, uh, learned of it, learning of this plot against him. And so he was forced, because of that plot, to return back through Macedonia, uh, a far longer land route to his destination. And then in verse 16, we are told that he could not go back to Ephesus because by the end of all this, he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem. So the Lord wanted him to... St- we know the Lord is in control of everything. He's in control of the circumstances of Paul's life. And, and, if, uh, and if the Lord wanted him to be on Jerusalem at a certain time, that's the only time he's going to get there. And, and if he wanted him to stay in Macedonia a little longer and Greece a little shorter, that's all under the Lord's hand. And so we see, uh, because of all these different factors that come in, uh, Paul spends a lot more time encouraging these churches than he had planned to do. And also on this journey, most commentators believe that Paul wrote the book of Romans during this time. And so being delayed on this journey, maybe spending some more time in, in an area, made him sit down and write the wonderful letter to the Romans in a very important uh, Bible book that we have because of those delays. So not only do we see that encouragement was so important for Jesus for these churches that he delays Paul, his instrument of encouragement. But we also learn here that the Lord is in control of all of our circumstances. Have you ever considered that the Lord has put you where you are so that you can minister to those around you? Maybe you're not where you intended to be. Uh, Maybe your life has not gone like you wanted it to go. But if you stop and, 
and look around. There's al always someone around that you can encourage, uh, someone who needs uh, your help. Maybe you're going through the circumstances uh, of your life. Uh, maybe those circumstances God's brought into your life so that you can encourage others who are going through similar circumstances. So you, you can look at this kind of from the Lord's perspective and that he's in control of all things and there's, it just opens up opportunities to minister to those around you. Even when our sin uh, takes us in the wrong direction and we end up where we didn't plan to be, we can still be used by God where we ended up. God, God doesn't throw away people. Uh, he uses them. And that's such an encouragement to us. It's just like the Lord did with Joseph and his brothers. You remember uh, his brothers wanted to kill Joseph and they sold him into slavery and, and it ended up working out great because he rose to second in command in Egypt and he was able to save his entire family from the famine that eventually came. And he's got those wonderful words there at the end of Genesis. Uh, what the brothers meant for evil, God meant it for good. He used those evil circumstances, difficult circumstances in Joseph's life to do something great. And that's what we see happening here with Paul as well. Uh, he's, it's not going according to his plan, but all the more encouragement for the church. And then thirdly, we see, uh, we see the, the importance of encouragement, the ministry of encouragement in this prolonged meeting. Uh, verse 7 through 12, they describe for us what is undoubtedly a worship service because they're breaking bread uh, on the Lord's day. And what an encouragement to preachers that even Paul put people to sleep. You know, now, of course, Eutychus didn't fall asleep until after midnight, after Paul had been preaching a long time. I can put people to sleep in five minutes or less, apparently. So I guess I'm better at that than Paul. Uh, but the meeting described, uh, you know, it was extraordinary in length and it was extraordinary in the events that happened when Eutychus fell out of the window, this teenager who fell asleep and, and he was brought back from the dead. Uh, that's extraordinary, but what was, uh, what was typical was the fact that this is where Paul went to encourage the churches. This is, this is the practice that he engaged in. Uh, he went around and he met with people. He worshipped with people. He broke bread with them. And this is undoubtedly talking about the Lord's Supper. He communed with the church and they worshipped together. And he instructed them and encouraged them. This was typical. And, and this is something that we can learn uh, from because how do we get encouraged? Where do we go for encouragement? Well, we need to heed the the words of, of the writer of Hebrews, chapter 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. At the beginning of this year, I read an article, and in it, this article said that the trend in 2015 would be that people would miss church more. So if, if, you, if you go to church four times a year uh, or four times a month, then this year that typical family would be going only three times. If you only go three times, you're only going to go two times. And that's a trend that been, they've been seeing in churches. And, and, uh, and, and I think that's been borne out in, in church attendance in this year. Uh, it's a dangerous trend, though, 
because church is meant to encourage you to be with God's people, to hear God's word proclaimed. This is very important for us. And you need that encouragement. The less encouragement you get, the easier it is to quit altogether. You need that cheering on that, that comes from spending time in the Word. Jesus wants you to be encouraged, and worship is a primary way that believers are encouraged. Not only come to church yourself, but encourage others to come to church. Invite them, and in doing so, you're inviting them to be encouraged as well. And and we need encouragement in our world today. People need to be encouraged, and there's no greater way than to be encouraged than to come and, and, and come into a saving relationship with Christ. What could be more encouraging than that? Well, uh, quickly, I'm not going to read that because we're running short of time, but I, I will uh, just want to point out one thing from Paul's speech. In, in verses 17 down to 38, we have... Uh, Paul, uh, a speech that Paul makes to the uh, elders at Ephesus. On his way out to Jerusalem, he, he calls the elders of Ephesus to come and he gives them some final instructions to encourage them uh, to, uh, to carry on the work that he's been doing because they're never going to see him again, uh, he says. But verse 32 says something very important. He says, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And the last thing that Paul gives them, the, the last thing that he uh, encourages them with, is to commend them to God and to the word of his grace. The word of his grace. You know, when you're, when you're criticized, discouraged, whether that comes from outside or the voice inside that's self-critical you know Jesus is the answer to that uh, because what it says there in in uh, in the word of his grace Jesus deals with us with grace he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve he doesn't condemn us as we read earlier in the confession time the assurance of pardon he doesn't condemn those who take refuge in him it's such a wonderful word of encouragement I've given you a quote in the handout from John Flavel, and I just find this so encouraging, and I wanted to end with this, because this is a word of grace and being commended to God. This is from a sermon on Jesus' final words on the cross, a series of sermons, that, and I'll be preaching on it at some point, but where, he's, where Jesus says, it is finished, his work is finished. He's paid for sin, he's completed, and this is a discussion of that. He says, has Christ perfected and completely finished all his work for us? How sweet a relief is this to us that believe in him against all the de defects and imperfections of all the works of God that are wrought by us. There is nothing finished that we do. All our duties are imperfect duties. They come off lamely and effectively from our hands. And that's what is discouraging, isn't it? That we, we, we're not good enough, we can't do it well enough, or it's not going like we want it to go, and we, we want to do better, but it's just not happening. He says, Oh, there is much impudence and vanity in the best of our duties, but here's the grand relief, and that which answers to all the grounds of our doubts and fears upon that account. Jesus Christ has finished all his work, Though we can finish none of ours, 
And so, though we be defective, poor, imperfect creatures in ourselves, yet notwithstanding, we are complete in Him. Though we cannot perfectly obey or fulfill one command of the law, yet is the righteousness of the law fulfilled in us that believe. Christ's complete obedience being imputed to us makes us complete and without fault before God. It is true we ought to be humbled for our defects and troubled for every failing in obedience. But we should not be discouraged. Though multitudes of weaknesses be upon us and many infirmities compass us about in every duty we put our hand to, though we have no righteousness of our own, yet of God Christ has made unto us righteousness and that righteousness of his is infinitely better than our own. Instead of our own, we have his. Oh, blessed be God for Christ's perfect righteousness. That should encourage your hearts today. If you are a failure, discouraged, come to Christ. He has done everything perfectly, and he imputes that to your account so that you are accepted by him and in him. And when you have the approval of the God of the universe, who else's approval do you need? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement of your word. We pray that we would be encouragers, encouragers to those around us. We pray that we would uh, put ourselves in a position to be encouraged by spending time in your word and with your people in worship. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, today even to gather together, to fellowship with one another around the table, uh, around the feast, and to love one another and to enjoy uh, the good things that you provided for us. We thank you for that. We pray your blessing upon the food that we're about to eat. Lord, we pray that you would bless our fellowship together and that it would be an encouragement to everyone. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand grace, to understand that you, uh, that you accept us in Christ, that the work has been done, and that the, the approval that we desire from you uh, is, comes to us through Christ and through having him and, and being in relationship with him. And so Lord, we pray that, that anyone who's here who, who does not know that relationship, who does not have that personal relationship, we just ask, Lord, that they would, that they would turn to you they would call upon you, that they would turn from their broken, sinful ways and turn to you. And Lord, we pray that that faith and that repentance would work uh, in them to make them uh, all that you would have them to be. And that is perfect in you. We thank you for that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.